The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. Okay, we're going to talk about the F-bomb, fear. Now, many are telling us out there that fear is a negative. They tell us that fear is the opposite of love and that it is impossible to have fear and love in the same moment. In fact, they're telling us that fear is something to be feared. We shouldn't have it, they say, for fear brings negative things into our lives. Well, that's certainly something to be afraid of, right? What vicious cycle of fear, no fear, they put us in. Well, there's good news. There's nothing to fear in fear. Yeah, I know, I just changed Franklin D. Roosevelt's famous statement, there's nothing to fear but fear itself. But it's true, there's nothing to fear in fear. In fact, what this show will prove is that fear is an open door to the divine. So you want to stay here for the whole show today. We've got lots of good information to talk about. Well, let's start with some of the mythologies about fear. Uh, the, old, the older ones and the newer ones. The old mythologies about fear were that you know, the people who had or demonstrated any level of fear were just chicken. They were weak. They were less than in some kind of way. You were not supposed to be af- afraid of anything, particularly if you were a man or a boy. Um, and girls were allowed to be afraid because that girls are weaker, right? That was the old way of looking at it. So we split off our emotions into the gender sets, and we uh, we said... Boys cannot fear, girls will fear. And in fact, girls who are not afraid were too mannish. And they were thought to be, you know, less than because they were too mannish. Now, these were the days back before the uh, 1900s even. Uh, But it it passed on into the 1900s. And when I was a little girl, girls were still supposed to be afraid and boys were not. Um, And I remember one time a story from my own childhood. I had a younger brother who had a, uh, there was a guy that was bullying him in the neighborhood. He was about a foot taller than my brother. And, and, uh, I remember, um, he started to try to run over my brother, my brother with his bicycle. And I grabbed hold of the handlebars and put my legs on either side of the front wheel and just started pushing him back on his bicycle because I was so mad at him for trying to hurt my brother. And, and, uh, so he looked, took his fist back and was going to hit me. And I said, go ahead, hit a girl. I'll tell your mom you hit a girl. (laughs) So, you know, the idea was a sort of double entendre there. I was not afraid, even though I was a girl. But if he hit me, I could be a girl. So you see how whacked out that is. It's just really um, convoluted for us to think and split ourselves off into gender sets and say these people can have these feelings and these people can't. 
Um, so, but that's what we did, and we did it for centuries and centuries. And then we began to rethink that, and we began to say that it was okay for men to be afraid too. But then we hit the fearless age back in the mid to ni- mid nineteen nineties to to two thousand, and maybe a little bit later. Everywhere you turn, there was somebody wearing a fearless shirt or a fearless hat. Everybody was fearless. Everybody was claiming to be fearless. Fear was not something you should feel. Fear was uh, showed weakness again, and both girls and guys were wearing them. Now it wasn't no longer it was no longer divided into gender sets, but it was still something to be shunned and feared, and and, and you were uh, thought of as weak if you had it. So we were fearing our fear. Um, and then, still lately, still more lately, the the. New Age, New Thought, uh, and or Human Potential Movement, and those are three different things, but uh, they all seem to have that agreement that fear was something we shouldn't feel. In fact, in The Course in Miracles, it quotes the statement in John from the Bible that says, perfect love casts out fear. Well, okay, now, I, don't, I don't disagree with that. Once we really understand that we're totally loved and totally uh, really protected all the time and taken care of all the time, then we're not afraid. I get that. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that fear is bad. And so what's been, what's, what, what people have done with that statement and what the Course of Miracles uh, actually said in, in, about that was that, you know, fear, perfect fear casts out love. Or and and I don't disagree with that either, but at the same time, what 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 came about of, out of that was that we shouldn't be afraid because it, we couldn't have love and fear in the same moment. In the same way that we think about matter and antimatter, you can't put them in the same place at the same time. And actually, if you really do a study of antimatter, it isn't impossible to put it with matter. Um, <clears throat> but. But that's what we've thought, and and the truth is, however, that fear can be loving. In fact, if I'm afraid of something that really is about to hurt me, and I honor that fear and do something about it, then I'm actually loving myself. So it's not impossible to put fear and love in the same place at the same time. So that you know, that's one of the myths, though, that we'll have to we'll have to die as we begin to talk about what fear really is. Um, so so that whole idea is, and it's a conundrum, that if fear is the opposite of love, then it's then and they are two opposite polarities and they can't be put in the same space at the same time, then that means that our hearts need to be split off. Because, I mean, even if, if uh, when it's not about the same subject, we can have fear in our heart at the same time we're loving someone. So, for example... Um, I I may be thinking about my child and how much I love him or her, and and at the same time I'm really worried and anxious and fearful about my job situation. Those are two things coming out of the same heart. So do we say they're opposite and polar polarized? No. Okay. The other thing is, like I said a minute ago, that we can actually honor our fear and and. In so doing, prove to ourselves that we love ourselves. We can honor fear about our children. One of my children runs out in the street. I'm going to be afraid, and I'm going to yank them out of the street. Um, so, when you know, when we are afraid, our fears are uh, perhaps some of them, at least, are are telling us that we need to 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 honor that. 
Um, I remember uh, talking to my son about playing out in the street when he was a little, he was about three or four years old, and he just didn't get it. He just could not understand why he couldn't go out in the street, bounce his ball out there, and and um, so finally, I had to, you know, I, I tried everything else that you can imagine to, to, to try to convince him that going out in the street was not a good idea. And finally, one day, I just said, no, he's really got to understand this. Because if, if my front yard was long and if I happened to be in the middle of it and he was at the other end of it, then he could run out in the street before I could catch him. So I couldn't depend on that. So I had to let him really know what, what it was that he needed to be afraid of in the street. So what I did was I put a water balloon out in the street, and we lived on a three-way stop, and some of the cars went by and sort of blew the balloon, and then finally one car hit it and squashed it, and of course, he bundled up against my neck crying, And but I said, look, see, here's the thing. We can get another balloon, but we can't get another you, so you have to stay out of the street. That's what could happen to you if you play in the street. He finally got it. And he didn't go back in the street again. He wasn't uh, damaged by that either. He, you know, he just got it. And so right after that, we went and put some more water and some more balloons and started having a balloon fight. And he was fine. So, so you know, that fear really needed to be paid attention to. I really needed to teach him to be afraid to go out in the street. And that, so that idea is false. That our fears are completely wrong. We should never be afraid of anything. That's that's false. Um, so when we're talking about fear, the mythologies come up in our archetypal memory with that to be afraid is weak, um, to, to, uh, feel fear means that we have now got to somehow give into it. So let's talk about that piece a little bit. When we, when we, when we have this idea that fear is split off from strength, that if you have strength, you can't also have fear. Or if you have love, you can't also have fear. Then what happens is that when we do feel fear, we identify with that idea. And we say, oh, well, now I'm feeling afraid. Therefore, that must mean that I can't really do anything. I can't really move. I can't really um, take care of myself or, or, or um, do the things that I need to do. So, for example... If I develop a fear of, uh, well, let's say I'm going to change jobs and I'm really, really, really afraid that uh, I'm going to take a risk to lose a job that I really enjoy, um, but I also know that I've got to switch over to something that's even better for me. And so let's say I'm afraid of that and and I'm going to be, you know, listening to that fear and it's going to pop up in my face every time I try to think about making a decision about whether or not to leave that job that isn't as satisfying as the one I would like to go to. Um, So I'm just afraid of making a mistake. That's what I'm afraid of. And so what we think sometimes is that because I feel fear, therefore I should not move because fear is the opposite of love and that must mean I'm weak and I I guess that means I just can't move. So we sit with our fear and we do nothing. And that irrational rational, rationalization is a part of the reason why we get paralyzed by fear. If we didn't believe that fear was so negative, we wouldn't be paralyzed by it. It would just be a feeling. But because we believe it's so negative, we get paralyzed by it. So, uh, so what really could happen there, of course, is that I could be afraid and go take the other job anyway. 
but we don't think of it in those terms. The other thing is that we think that, uh, that fear is going to bring negative things into our lives. And when I say negative, think of them, think of that word with quotations around it because I don't believe there is anything that's negative, not anywhere, any place, any time, nor do I believe there's anything positive because a positive would imply a negative. Um, you get to decide what you believe. Anytime I say the words I believe on this show, it always means you get to decide what you want to believe. You actually do believe because I don't, have a, I don't have a lesson for you. I don't have a should for you. I don't have a way that is right for you. What I do have is my own experience and my own insights that I've gained through meditation and through my own life experience. And, and that's what I've got. And so that's what I'm going to give you. But you... You can choose what you want to, you really believe is true out of what I'm saying. But so, for what I'm going to say is that negativity is, uh, it doesn't exist. It, you know, we think in terms of positive and negative ions, yes, but that's not, in ter- that's not a bad ion. <laughs> it's just a different kind of energy. And that is really true about everything else as well. That there is nothing or no one or no act that is you know bad it is energy and what we're doing with the energy is how we distort it how we you know we take the energy and distort it into something else so if i kill people then obviously people are going to say i'm bad and that's a really negative act but on the other hand it, the the energy that made me kill someone or that i used to kill someone is just energy in and of itself. Now, what I've chosen to do with it is kill someone. But even the angry energy, the frightened energy, the, the, uh, the identity that says I am a bad person and therefore I kill people, all of those things are energies. And how we use them is what makes the difference. So there's nothing in and of itself in its raw essence that is negative. Therefore, we can't bring negative things in our, into our lives. And I'll give you an example. Someone asked me about this in a workshop recently, and I, I, I think I rushed through the answer a little bit, but I'm going to answer it a little bit better today. We, I was riding down the freeway one day, and I was behind a truck that was carrying some pipes on the back of it. And they, these were really long pipes. Some of them were larger in diameter than others. Was and, and I just looked at this one pipe that had a, it was a smaller in diameter but really long and I thought you know one of those pipes could fall out of that truck because they weren't there was nothing on the back of that truck to hold them in and they weren't tied down uh, or restrained in any way so I I thought one of those pipes could fall out of there and you know go through my windshield and who knows what would happen to me so I just sort of backed off the gas um, and just got myself a good distance between myself and that truck so what happened right after that is that the pipe fell off the truck. The, the little thin pipe that I was talking, looking at fell off the truck. Now, when I look at that, I think, wow, that was one of those moments when I had a, a, a co- precognition. I was, co- I was aware that something was going to happen, and it happened. That's not the first or the last time that happened in my life. but uh, So that's the way I look at it. But the question that was raised was, well, couldn't that be the law of attraction? You focused on that, and, and therefore it brought that negative event into your life. Well, the story I have to tell about that is yet another story from my own life, and that's this. 
Once upon a time, many years ago, when I was somewhere between 10 and 12, my chore was to th- get the, take out the trash on certain nights of the week when the garbage was going to come. And I was supposed to come home and just do it and get it done. Well, I didn't. And so it ended up that the trash still needed to be taken out. It was the night before they were going to come, and that was my chore. So when I got my mother got home, she would say, take out the trash, even if it was dark. So I'd have to troop through this long backyard and go under this uh, through this gate that was actually uh, covered over at the top with honeysuckle. So the honeysuckle vines were sort of hanging down. And so I had to bend down to go through that little narrow space and into an alleyway where I was still going to put the trash in a trash can. And the next day, the garbage men were going to come by and pick up the garbage. Well, what happened was, in my mind, I just knew, didn't think I knew there was a man in that alley and he was going to kidnap me and take me away and I'd never see my family again and who knows what he was going to do to me. That was long before, I'm 63 years old, that was long before the days when children were being kidnapped as regularly as they are today. But in my mind, that was going to happen and all I had to do was find a way to make sure he didn't really see me. So I had to make sure, I had to go through the gate really fast, throw the garbage at the trash can and run like crazy back to the backyard. And I just always knew that when I was running back to the backyard, he was running right behind me and he was going to grab hold of my ponytail and that would be that. So I was running, man, I had my kids on. I was running fast. So, uh, what happened though, of course, as a result is that there was no man in the, in the alleyway and there was no one chasing me. And there never has been a man in the alleyways of my life. But I spent a good three years, at least two nights a week, probably three nights a week, uh, really believing that there was a man in the alleyway and he was going to get me. And that's some real focused energy. Not only was it in my thoughts, but it took over my emotions and it took over my body. So it was not only mental, it was emotional, it was physical, and yet there was never a man in the alley in my life. So that's an example of how we could say this, this thing that says it's going to draw negative, oh, if we have those, if we have fear, it's going to draw negative things into our lives. Not so. Not so. And I proved it with that three years I spent uh, worrying that there was a man in the, in the alleyway. You, you may have experiences in your life where you can look back and see that you were really, really worried that something was going to happen and it never happened. So, you know, we could say, well, we're bringing negative events into our lives by being afraid. Well, we could get more realistic and say, lots of times we're afraid and nothing happens. Um, so, so these mythologies will have to change if we're going to really look at fear in a healthier, more dynamic, and more powerful way than the way we've described it uh, over the past centuries and particularly over the past 10, 15 years as we have moved more into a New Age uh, Aquarian kind of thinking. So we're going to talk some more about that right after the break. You want to stay tuned for this show. It's going to tell you what to do with fear. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. All day long, we sort out clutter in our minds and bodies, all the while trying to find that healing modality that will work for us. Tune in to Inner Mission with host Patty Campbell. Each week, we'll explore a deeper spirituality and the healing process. 
Everyone has the capability to heal themselves. Let us help you find your capability in the hopes that you will pay it forward. Intermission Journey to Wellness is broadcast live every Thursday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave. Are you someone who strives to accelerate your spiritual growth? Living authentically? Everyone wishes they had a pipeline to higher wisdom to help them understand their life and manifest a new point of view. Join Holly and Paul Marwood, who will serve as your guides on Soul Genesis. They will share inspired guidance from the High Council of Orion, which can turn your questions into answers and your problems into solutions. Tune into Soul Genesis, live every Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. How can we grow, both individually and collectively, with greater ease and efficiency? Tune in to The Power of Presence with host John Hankey to learn about the relationship between meditation, hypnosis, NLP, Chinese medicine, sports psychology, personal evolution, and more. The show covers practical applications including mindfulness, conscious language, time management, nutrition, fitness, and holistic health to investigate how all of us can achieve our next level of fulfillment well-being, and vitality. Listen every Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1 866 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. The Authentic Living Show is sponsored by the American Institute of Holistic Theology. AIHT offers degrees in interfaith and interspiritual educational programs that enable you to not only find your own authentic spirituality, but to bring your unique gift to the world in service upon graduation. At AIHT, you can get a master's, doctorate, or ministerial bachelor's degree, and the doctoral programs are broken down so that you may get a PhD, a doctor of ministry, or in the Holistic Theology Program, a Doctor of Theology degree. The programs in which you may get these degrees are Holistic Theology, Holistic Health, Holistic Ministries, Metaphysics, and Parapsychology. These courses offer depth and meaning to your own spiritual search for truth and meaning. To put your capacities to bring your healing, loving, guiding gifts to the world. The population of students includes doctors, lawyers, healers, nurses, ministers, counselors, psychologists, social workers, nutritionists, herbologists, homeopathy practitioners, psychics, mediums, and many others who have a special gift but need to learn to hone it and credential it. It also includes students who simply wish to enhance their own profound spiritual journey. What is most important to AIHT's model is the exploratory nature of studies that reach to the depths of all the world's religions, traditions, and paths, and even to transcend them to find the mystical core of them all in order to facilitate your own journey to your own authentic spirituality by utilizing as your text writing teachers spiritual experts from all over the world. 
You can learn more about what is offered by going to www.aiht.edu or if you'd like to talk directly to the admissions director, call Beverly Love at 800-650-4325. Again, you can go to www.aiht.edu or contact Beverly Love at 800-650-4325. You know, Oprah says education is the key to unlocking the world, a passport to freedom. Call and get your passport today. So next week, we're, I mean, excuse me, this week we're talking about fear and what it can and what it can't do. Um, we've got Halloween coming up just in a couple of days, and the idea here is to scare everybody to death, and, and so that's why we're talking about fear today. Uh, we can have a lot of fun with fear. I know people who just love horror shows, and they can they get all up in it and love it and love to talk about it. And not me; I'm not so interested in horror movies. But I but uh, I can appreciate the fact that somebody else loves to do that. We also enjoy fear when we go to the amusement parks and ride these rides that drop you out of the sky at 100 feet and, and a velocity that I couldn't hardly breathe at. So, uh, you know, you're, there's lots of ways that we have fun with fear. So are we wrong for doing that? If fear is a bad thing that makes us have, brings negativity into our lives, are we wrong to be afraid in those times to, to sort of play with our fear? Actually, I think it's very helpful. Um, I've watched children do this as I've done therapy with children in the past to, 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 to sort of play with the fears that bother them the most and make them into fun, make them into a game, make them into a story so that they can uh, get past the fear. And that's really what they're trying to do is uh, story story it, metaphor it, um, make it into a game so that it's just not so big, not so, you know, monstrous. Um, so, you know, fear can be useful in those ways. And, and we don't want to live a whole life just wrapped up in fear. Certainly, like any other emotion, we can carry it to an extreme. Certainly, if you are agoraphobic and you're living stuck in a little small space because you fear everything outside that space, that's, that is, that's fear that's gone way awry. Um, and the same thing can happen with anger. The same thing can happen with love. Did you know that? People can be so loving that they do damage to themselves and even other people trying to be loving because they have this idea about what love is and love means you're supposed to be helpful and kind and always there and available to other people and they can exhaust themselves and they can try to be helping people who really should be helping themselves in all kinds of ways of, of enabling them, enabling alcoholics and drug addicts, enabling behaviors that are uh, harmful to others and self. Lots of ways that love can even be uh, excessive. So any of our emotions can be taken to an extreme, but fear, uh, and, and like I said, fear can be like that also, but fear can also be very useful to us in the ways that it warns us that something is wrong. There's been many times in my own life when I had a fear about something that I just like, no, that's not feeling right. That's not, that's kind of scary and spooky and I don't even know why it is. But I'm not going to do it, and I don't do it, and later I find out why I didn't do it. I really, really was something there that, I, that, that my fear was saying, no, 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 don't go there. Um, sometimes uh, fear can tell us about people. There's been times when 
when you meet somebody, I've met people, I'm sure, and you have too, is that are you just meet them and you immediately have this feeling of, you know, the hair rises on the back of your neck and you know something's really wrong. And you just back away from those people. That's your body and your mind telling you, this is the wrong path. Don't hang out with these people. And that, that, that is fear. And it is very helpful to us in that regard. Um, I remember hearing a story, uh, I believe it was on the Oprah show, about a, a, a woman who was, uh, had this intuition and a fear, accompanied by a fear, that someone was, living, someone was coming into her house every day. And, you know, you could say, well, that's completely irrational. She'd get home at night and nobody was ever there. That's just irrational. That should just go away. But she didn't do that. She paid attention to it. And it turned out that she put a camera in her living room, one of those hidden cameras. And lo and behold, there was somebody coming in her house. And they were putting on her clothes and parading around the house in the clothes and then leaving again. Somebody that lived in her apartment uh, complex and... So she was able to tape that and show it to the police, and the police were able to arrest the person who was coming in her house every day. So these are things that are very genuine and very real about fear. So when we say, well, if you've got fear, then that's going to bring negative things into your life. Well, in these cases, it brings something very positive into someone's life. Um, so that's not really true either. These are mythologies that we have. Why do we have these mythologies? Because we're bargaining with the universe. We're bargaining with uh, uh, um, some kind of power that we think is above us that says, if I am never afraid, then the gods will give me what I want. And that's a bargain. So bargains start with if, and somewhere in there, there's a then. If then. If I do this, then that will happen. If I do this, then he will do that. If I do this, then she will say that. If I, th- Those are bargains, okay? And the bargain with fear, we, particularly with regard to what we've come to know as the law of attraction that says you should never be afraid because it will draw negative things into your life, in that, in that old way of viewing the law of attraction that has lost more and more validity over time, um, when we... When we say to ourselves we should never be afraid, we may be locking out some things that could be very, very helpful to us. Um, so, okay, so those are some of the mythologies and why they work against us. Let's talk about uh, Franklin Roosevelt's famous statement, there's nothing to fear but fear itself. When Franklin Roosevelt made that statement, we were in the throes of a depression. And what he was telling the public was, um, we're going to make it through this. We're going to be okay. Just keep on keeping on. We're going to get, we're going to find a way to work through this. Now, there were certainly lots of people whose lives were not touched at all by that statement. Um, He could tell them to not be afraid all he wanted, but they were still going to be afraid because they were losing houses, they were losing cars, they were losing children, they were losing all kinds of things um, and, and, and relationships and were coming about, loss of relationships was, were all coming about as a result of this depression. Um, and if you've read about the trash depression, um, this was a very devastating time in the history of the world where starvation was right here in America, not someplace off in, in another third world country. It was right here. And so Franklin Roosevelt was trying to get to the public and say, keep doing what you got to do to 
get to get by and we're going to get through this together and then of course he implemented some plans to help uh, find jobs for people and to build the sort of infrastructure for America at the same time um, he did a lot of really powerful good things to help us get through the depression and then we finally got through the depression uh, so he was trying to encourage us to say your fear if you let it stop you will will be the problem there were countless people uh, jumping out of buildings and killing themselves because they had taken a, a nosedive in the stock market and uh, so he was really trying to sort of do whatever he could to put a stop to that but his statement in and of itself um, is actually what we're doing with fear now. We are fearing fear, which is very, very interesting to me because every time I get on Facebook and I, I read a comment from somebody or a post from somebody, one of our uh, teachers or just a person, a regular person who says, you know, don't be afraid because that's that'll bring negative things into your life or don't be afraid because that's weak or don't be afraid, you need to be strong, which as if those are two opposite things. What I want to do is do what I'm doing today, and that's teach us about what fear really is all about. Fear is just an emotion, period, end of subject. And all of our emotions are meant to bring us messages. And the messages are not about other people. The messages are not about or what other people should or shouldn't be doing. I should, they could be about other people if you meet up with somebody who's a serial killer, then it could be about that other person, but it's not about what they should be doing. Um, it's not about uh, externals. It's about us. It's about it, the, the fear comes up to tell us something that is going to be a message to us, for us, and about us. Um, so when we look at our emotions in that way, then we go, oh, okay, this is an internal messaging system. It's a GPS system that can help us uh, uh, get some guidance about what's really true and false in our lives. So the first question that comes up when I say that to people is, well, what about irrational fears? Well, surely you can't mean for us to follow those around. No, and there's a lot of those. We, we do have a lot of irrational fears. I've had irrational fears. You have irrational fears. We all have irrational fears. That's a part of <clears throat> living here on planet Earth where duality is the experience of our lives. So... Um, when it comes to fear uh, as as something to be afraid of, uh, what we what we forgot what we forget is that um, that these emotions are all very valid, and so therefore irrational fears have a a purpose. So okay, so if I have a irrational fear that if I get on the elevator today to go out of my building, it's going to crash. So I just won't ever ride elevators again. And th- these can become, irrational fears can become phobias. Um, this is how a phobia starts. You get a thought in your head and you begin to know that that's what's going to happen. And you, you find a way to avoid it. So that's what we do. We, we get the thought, we develop the fear, and then we avoid it. That's how phobias uh, respond. If we could get the thought, develop the thought even, even if we let ourselves develop it, and not avoid it, we wouldn't, it wouldn't have the impact that it has. The problem with our phobias is that they, are a, they become um, a behavior because we have avoided them. 
Um, and they do start with irrational thoughts very often. Sometimes they thought with, start with traumatic experiences. For example, if someone's been in an airplane that almost crashed, the theory, the, the idea could be, well, I will just never ride an airplane again and they just never do that. So avoidance becomes the thing. And what happens when avoidance takes over is that the fear just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So, okay, I just will never do that because I'm so afraid of it, but actually what we're doing is growing the fear by avoiding it. Okay, so that's one of the things that people talked about back in the late 90s that when they talked about the idea of fearless, the the, the motto or the logo we saw everywhere on shirts and hats and everything else uh, was that, you know, we need to go ahead and face our fears. Well, facing our fears is a little bit different from uh, living into our our accepting our fears okay so um and we're going to spend some time talking about what we can do with this a lot more after this next break coming up but but right now what i want to say is if you have an irrational fear it has come up to tell you something about your psychology so we can walk around with some holes in our psychology for centuries without even knowing that we have holes in our psychology but when an emotion comes up then it is informative that we have a hole in that psychology. So the emotion has come to say, look, there's a hole here. Um, and, and, and that's what we can use it for. So even irrational fears can be very useful to us in helping us to go, oh, that's what I believe, and that's really not true. So if I, if I have an irrational fear that I'm never going to be able to make it, never going to be able to get that job or that um, – relationship or that whatever that I want and and of course anything that says you'll never is irrational because who knows but so I've got an irrational fear that says that then that fear has come up to inform me about a belief system that is underlying that fear and that is what needs to be worked on I don't need to tell myself oh don't be afraid because oh my gosh you're going to drag negative things into your life no I need to go oh oh wow look at that there's a fear Look how big that fear is. Wow, that's really trying to tell me something. Wonder what? Oh, oh, look, I have a belief now that says that I can't ever. Where did I get that? Oh, I remember my father telling me that I was stupid all the time. Oh, okay, well, that's where that belief came from. And guess what? It's false. Now, that doesn't mean the fear that that belief is just going to go away overnight. There's some work we can do with beliefs, and we can talk about that another day. But the fear came to tell me about that belief. It did not come to tell me that I'm a bad person for having a fear or that negative things are going to get drawn into my life or that I'm weak and others are strong or that it's negative and I need to be more positive. None of those things are true. It came to tell me about my psychology, my beliefs that are perhaps interfering with my behavior. So it's a very useful tool. Even irrational fears are very, very useful. If we if we listen to them and pay attention to what they're saying and pointing us toward to look at, so so in terms of fear having uh, the the ultimate say so, it can if we give it the ultimate say so. Um, if we say, "Oh, I'm going to spend the rest of my life avoiding airplanes because I was on an airplane one time that almost crashed," what we're forgetting is that it didn't crash. It almost crashed, but it didn't crash. What happened when it almost crashed was that we became aware that it could crash, and therefore we woke up to the reality that life is not 
you know, we're going to eventually die. And that scared us, so we wanted to postpone that. So we said, every time I get on an airplane, it's going to be an unlucky flight and it's going to crash. Those are all irrational thoughts. But they point to a belief system that says something about our worth, our sense of ourselves, something like that that we need to be able to look at. So those are important. So we're going to talk some more about this right after the break. So you want to come back and hear how it is that you can learn to deal with these fears in a way that makes you more of a whole person. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Are you moving at the speed of everything else? If you are, then you probably don't seem to have the time to connect to your inner spirit, voice, and power. Haven't you wanted to connect with yourself again? Tune in to Intuitively Speaking with host Shauna Gulbrand. You'll be empowered to get reacquainted with who you are. You can find your sense of purpose, learn, and heal with Shauna. This awareness can affect your life and those around you. Intuitively Speaking airs live on Mondays at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. In unified consciousness, we are all part of the spectrum. As individuals interconnected, there is no time, no space, just the all. Listen for Conscious Conversations with Joan and Janet, featuring hosts Joan Newcomb and Janet Barrett. Each week, Joan and Janet will provide new focal points for you to resonate with and explore. Their passion is to support your evolutionary growth and change. Conscious Conversations with Joan and Janet is broadcast live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. On the program Inside Out, our outsides match our insides. Join host Beth Green along with co-host James Maynard for an insightful weekly journey that lets us all be real with no boundaries. We'll discuss current events, interview amazing guests, challenge old ideas, and see ourselves and our world more clearly. It's about you as much as us. So you're invited to call in, write in, and most of all, tune in. Listen for Inside Out, live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1 866 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. back talking today about fear good appropriate topic before halloween right where everybody's trying to scare everybody i'm watching these scenarios on tv recently where people jump out at people wearing these masks and scare them to death and everybody laughs and thinks it's really funny and uh and and so fear like i said in the last segment can be something that can make us laugh and we can have fun with it as well but uh and what we said in the first segment was there's a lot of mythology around fear 
uh, telling us that it's a negative, that it makes us weak, it makes us uh, not be able to do what we need to do with our lives, etc., etc. But fear, like I said in the fi- in the last segment, is just an emotion, and all of our emotions are, emotions are messages that come to tell us about who we are, what we want, and and they sort of are an internal guidance system that can help us figure out what's next. So anything is oh, if you. Forget everything else I say today, but remember this. Anything that splits us off, makes our minds do one thing over here and something else over here, is not healthy for us. Okay, We all do it. We all have done it probably at various points in our lives, but it's not a healthy way to live. And so when people, you have people telling you, don't feel that, whatever it is, don't feel afraid, don't feel, you know, whatever it is. What they're telling you is split off from that. Split your psyche down the middle and throw that into your unconscious because you don't need to know that you're thinking that or feeling that. Uh, so, you know, we think we can make feelings go away, but they don't go away. They don't go away until we've heard them. So it's kind of like a nightmare. You have a nightmare. It comes up to tell you something about your life, but you just think, oh, well, it's just a dream. I don't want to think about that. And you put it away. You have the same nightmare again and again and again and again until finally you turn and listen to what it's saying. You kind of go, okay, what does this mean? What are the symboli- What is the symbolism here in this dream that can help me understand what it is that it's trying to tell me? And then you get clarity. And then you know what to do with your life. And guess what? Then the dream goes away. You don't have to have it anymore. It's exactly the same with our emotions. For example, if you have anger and you ignore it and ignore it and ignore it and ignore it and ignore it until finally it gets so big that you can't ignore it anymore, what we generally do with that is explode all over somebody else. But actually, if we could pay attention to it, it could probably tell us something very valuable about our lives. The same exact thing is true of fear. If we try to push it away, it only gets bigger until we pay attention to it. So then we, we can turn around and look at, okay, what is that? What is my fear? What is that telling me? So, okay, here's some methods you can use to look at your fear, not, not in any kind of um, facing your fear like it's an enemy. And a lot of times when people say face your fears, what they mean is fear is the enemy. Go to war with it. Battle with it until you can finally get it to go back into the unconscious. Repress it. Um, that's what they mean, although they wouldn't say that's what they mean. That is what they, That was what will happen if we fight with anything inside of ourselves. If we fight with it, it will, it will um, get bigger or, and until we have to really face it or it'll just go into the unconscious and then it'll get bigger. Either way, it gets bigger. So, okay, so you have a fear and uh, you look at it. You might draw a picture of it. You might write a poem about it. You might write a letter to it. You might write a letter from it. You might, uh, what you're trying to do is get in touch with what is this? What are you trying to tell me? And the more you do that, the more you tap into, okay, what are you trying to tell me, the easier it gets. So you might have to start off with some real tools, but as time goes by, what will happen is that you begin to be able to to go directly to, oh, I see what you're trying to tell me, without having to write it down or have a letter or, or, or to or from it or write a poem to it or write a story about it or any of that stuff, draw a picture of it. You won't have to do that some, at all. As, uh, you'll eventually get where you just have this natural easing dialogue between your emotions and your head so that you can begin to process what goes on inside you pretty quickly. 
but you got to get used to it. And the reason we have to get used to it is because we've been taught not to do it. We've been taught, most of us have been taught not to feel our feelings. Feelings are, are, are temporary. They're not something you can count on or rely on. I've even heard people say, well, love is not a feeling, it's an action. Well, what that does is put us out of touch with our feelings and make us live into shoulds about love. And I, I have to tell you, I know some people who, and have worked with some people who, as clients, who live their lives based entirely on I should. And they stick should in front of love, and they stick should in front of everything. So that love ceases to be love and becomes a duty, an obligation. And life becomes less and less and less and less meaningful until, meaningful until it's finally just this flat, empty desert land where you can't really find any life. Why? Because you're not feeling your feelings. Our feelings help us know we're alive. Our emotions serve that purpose as well as the internal guidance system. They tell us about our life. They tell us the quality of our life. They tell us whether we're on the path that makes us happy or not. And fear is one of those emotions. And and for us to say, don't be afraid because you can't be afraid and love at the same time says, um, I'm putting away that emotion. I won't feel that one. I won't feel that one. And what happens is, what we don't know is that when we put away one emotion, we're putting away all of our emotions. It doesn't work that you can just put away one. It doesn't work that way. They, uh, we're numbing out to our emotional capacities when we, when we put away one emotion. Um, and so, for example, you see people who just get really mad. And that's all they can do is just get really mad. They don't, they don't feel a lot of uh, sympathy or empathy for other people. They don't feel a lot of pain for themselves. They just get mad. That's all they can do. Well, what they've done is they've funneled all their emotions into one motion. All those other ones have, 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 are put on the back burner and put in the unconscious while anger is something the person can demonstrate. And, it, and what happens with these people is they have this sort of cathartic experience where they explode and then they feel better. So they think it's the right thing to explode. You know, I feel better after I explode, so yeah, this must be the right thing. But actually what's happening is they're, they're releasing a lot of energy that has been placed in the unconscious for a long period of time. So it's really ineffective. What's going to happen is they're going to do the same thing if, a little while from now. You know, it's not a few weeks, a few months, whatever. Eventually you're going to have that feeling that, gonna, that you're going to have to have that explosion again because it won't stay inside you forever. And fear is the same way. If you put it away and put it away and put it away and put it away, eventually it gets so big that it seems to be bigger than you. Um, uh, when when you get to the place where you just you feel like you just can't do what it is that your fear is telling you not to do, people with social phobia say this a lot. Oh, you just don't understand social phobia. You can't talk to people when you feel that fear. Um, you just your capacity is gone. Well, what that means is the fear has either taken over lordship of your life, in the and you've given it over. You've said, "Oh, well, I have to obey my fear over and over again for so long that the fear has just dominated." Or uh, the other thing is that f- fear just sort of paralyzes you. Just sort of say, "Okay, I can't do anything now because." Uh, I've got fear. And again, as I said in the, in the first segment, because we believe that fear is negative, when we feel it, we, we give it powers to control our lives because we think we shouldn't feel it at all. And so then we, well, oh, well, I'm, I'm afraid, so I, that must mean that I can't do this. 
But the truth is, when, when I've worked with people who have, like, for example, social phobias, what we begin to understand is that you can be afraid but do it anyway. You can say, I have this fear, and, and I'm going to take this little tiny risk. I'm going to say hi to somebody. I'm going to make eye contact with somebody. I'm just going to do it for just, you know, two seconds. But I've done that much. And now my fear has, uh, the, the, the big thing that I've made into the Lord of my life, or at least those, the Lord of those moments when I'm encountering other people, is, has less power. Why? Because I'm making choices instead of giving the power to choose over to my fear. So that's how, uh, that's how fear can be if we're not paying attention to it. But if we pay attention to it, then it, it becomes our friend. Fear can be your friend. Anger can be your friend. These things that people call negative emotions can absolutely be our friends because they, they help us understand deeper aspects of ourselves. They help us communicate what we want to the world. They help us to make decisions about which direction we're going to take and which one we're not going to take. These are very important emotions. So anybody that tells you, you should not have that feeling, is telling you to split off and be unhealthy. Split off into deeper unconsciousness and less consciousness and don't be healthy. Um, So what I would say is the healthy plan is to get in touch with and stay in touch with our emotions because they're important. Now, people might say, well... If you stay in touch with your emotions, you're just going to go around being afraid or angry or sad or something all the time. I mean, don't your thoughts get to come into the the room sometimes? Well, yeah, they do. Your thoughts are very important and they're equal of equal importance to your emotions, as is your behavior of equal importance to your emotions. All three of those need to have be given some power. But uh, the thing is that we don't tend to pay attention to our emotions. Therefore, our thoughts are skewed and our behaviors are skewed. So the emotion sort of comes first, not, not in terms of importance, but in terms of reactivity. Uh, we, we respond first with an emotion, and that's why it's so good, because if it comes up into our awareness, now we know there's something going on that we can do something with. Whereas if we didn't have that come into our awareness, all we would have is... Calcula- uh, the calculations of a, an algorithm to figure out in order to know how to live life. Furthermore, we'd be flat. We'd be empty. We'd be uh, less alive. So the fact that we have emotions means that they're important. I want to say that again. The fact that we have emotions means that they are important, important things. They're not inconsequential things they're extremely important but yet there's so many people who who want to say well that's just not important i don't need to feel that so they give themselves so they're sad on a day or afraid on a day and they say well i'm just being silly i need to stop doing that i'm just being silly and they don't ask the question to the emotions what did you come to tell me you've come to tell me something what is it they don't ask that they they say, well, I just shouldn't be feeling this. And so their lives become more shallow. Their lives become distorted around some fears and some thoughts that they have. And they don't live as fully and uh, they don't live as alive as they could. And that's the nicest case scenario. The worst case scenario is that we make lots of mistakes because we don't know what direction to go in because we're not feeling our emotions. 
Okay, that's our show for today, and uh, we're going to be back again next week. So you want to stay, uh, come back again next week and listen some more. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week. 